Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 52, we talk about content conversion with special guest Mark Gross of DCL. Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast. I'm Gretel Kinsey, and I am here with Mark Gross. Mark, how are you? I am good today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, And I wanted to just start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about DCL and what you do and kind of what differentiates you from, uh, you know, other companies kind of in a similar space. Well, uh, I I guess the name says Data Conversion Laboratory, and and that's what we do. But, uh, you know, things have changed. We've been in business uh, uh, almost uh, almost 40 years now. And when we started, uh, conversion meant mostly one thing. It meant uh, I just got this new computer, uh, I've got a new system, and I want to move all the information from my old system onto the new system. Uh, and that was a lot when microcomputers first came along. People were coming off mainframe and mini computers. But today, you know, it's, it's uh, everything runs on data. We're living, and, and it's not so much a focus anymore, although it certainly is a focus. We're living in a world where uh, data, information, analytics, the, the economy just doesn't run well without well-curated, structured data. There's so much content, so much data out there that, uh, that you inundate it. So, um, so today, much of what our work is, uh, about 20% or 25% of our work is still moving things from one computer to another, but a lot of the rest of the work is really in structuring the information that's already out there. Uh, you know, and I, I guess much of the scriptorium audience might be working with things like DITA and S1000D. Well, that's very structured information, uh, but most of the information out there isn't. So uh, uh, what we do there is take information and we add the structuring information into there. And uh, that's essentially what we're doing <laughs> today. And you're, you're definitely right that uh, at Scriptorium, a lot of the clients we work with are kind of, um, you know, either going into structure or already in some kind of structure. And so as far as their conversion needs, they may be looking at either something like moving from um, one structure to another. So for example, something like, um, you know, a, a homegrown XML to DITA. Or they may be looking at, you know, something like going from just completely unstructured content into something more structured like XML. And so that's kind of that's kind of what we see uh, as sort of the common needs that uh, you know companies have for converting their content, is especially if they have a large volume of it that's completely unstructured and they need it to have that structure, um, then that's when they would say, okay, we've got to convert all of this. Um, And I wanted to get your take on this as well and kind of ask you, what are some of the most common reasons that you see with the companies you've worked with, uh, why they need this kind of conversion? Okay, so the the, the first thing to talk about is they're moving computers, but, uh, but more of the time today is they've got information uh, and they've been collecting it and they've been structured, and, and, and it might be structured already, but the needs today are so much different, and, so, and the bar has been raised so much uh, that information just isn't in the form that it, it needs to be today for 
for modern uses, for artificial intelligence, for transmitting information. <clears throat> it doesn't have the right metadata in it. So an example is uh, the work we did for Elsevier and the Scopus database. So the Scopus database the, uh, is called uh, the, uh, the, the index to the world's literature, to scientific literature. Uh, and for the last 10 or 15 years, the, everything has been structured very tightly. The, uh, it's bibliography information, so you have uh, authors' names and, and uh, publishers and the dates and all those things are there. But going back more than 15 years, 15 years ago, uh, the information wasn't structured like that. It, it, it was just plain line information. The bibliography was just the way you see it in, in the back of a journal or in the back of a book. So that wasn't good enough to be able to find things as quickly as they needed to be found. So what we did for them is we went back to all the material going back for another 15 years before that and then used artificial intelligence and, and, and a bunch of very sophisticated software to go in and add the structure that should have been there if it would have been done correctly in the first place. But, you know, 50 or 20 years ago, we didn't know that we would need this anymore. So we went back and we structured and bought information. Uh, I, uh, and I think there's lots of cases like that. There's, uh, 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 you know, a company may have uh, documents going back 20, 30, 40 years, which are still valuable. Uh, but the older material is 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 sitting, uh, probably not on paper, but they might be. But it'd be sitting on microfilm, or it'd be sitting in PDF files, which are not really uh, structured files. So there's a need to go back and upgrade all those materials to to, to work with what's needed today. Um, and you know, there's the world is, contains billions of pages of information out there. It's a, it's a shame not to have access to them. And today we want access to all that information. Yeah, exactly. And and that's really one of the biggest use cases that we see as well, uh, you know, that we'll see companies saying all of our stuff is locked into, you know, an older format like PDF where, uh, you know, it, it's not as accessible. They can't really put it on the web except a PDF for download. And it, it really just kind of... Uh, restricts what they're able to provide to their customers and then they've got this demand for content to be able to be you know kind of parceled up and reused in different ways and they they really just don't have that flexibility with it when it's kind of stuck in in an older uh, and unstructured format yeah and i think just uh one more example i think that fits this i think is work uh, that we're doing for the new york public library now uh, the the uh, New York Public Library has the complete collection of copyright records going back to the 1800s when copyrights first started being put together in the United States. Uh, uh, but all that was in books. So there's hundreds and hundreds of books on shelves. And then all those were scanned. So now you have images of all those pages. And then they were OCR'd automatically. And so there's an OCR, but there's still not very much use because the data itself is not structured. When you look at a copyright record, it contains a lot of information that's really fielded, separated by commas and semicolons and other things like that. So you really can't find anything. A full text search doesn't do you much good. 
So what we've gone now is gone back to all that material that's already been, you know, it's already, images already exist of everything, but we've gone back and we've now taken and, and taken the content out of that and built that and, and tagged it and structured it and built that into a database that a public library can now use and, and put out on, on, on the web. So there's lots of information out there that can use more structuring. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about some more specific use cases that Scriptorium has seen with our clients when it comes to conversion and kind of get your take on some of them. So the first one is the idea of a partial conversion. And a couple of examples we've seen of this would be something like, um, you know, a company maybe does a content audit and they realize that some of their content does you know is is um you know unstructured does need to be converted and provided uh, in multiple different formats to their customers, but then maybe they've got some other content that's just out of date. It's never going to be updated again anyway, and they maybe decide it's not worth it to convert that content. Um, and you know we've we've seen kind of similar cases where um, you know maybe there's a certain amount of the content that's the most important and and that's what they're updating most frequently and then maybe they start with that and then convert the rest later on on a schedule that works better for them so i wanted to ask you if you've seen cases like this where a company either does a partial conversion or maybe starts with a partial conversion um, and kind of how common that is and what kinds of use cases that you've seen there right so so uh certainly is a cost to conversion so so I, I think uh, companies have a fiduciary responsibility to think about what the return on investment is going to be in anything they do so I, I think we see a lot of cases where there's partial conversions either because as you said they they just have a lot of stuff and decide not to do it all because they don't need it all uh, the other is uh, uh, they do want it all, but maybe it doesn't have to be converted to all the bells and whistles in order to reduce the cost. It all comes down to, I think, a return on investment. Uh, so so I, I think uh, very often this really starts with a content audit. I mean, I think people at the organization have to look at it and see what is the value of what the material they have is. Uh, and for example, an organization might find that only the they want to convert the, the product manuals or the repair manuals for products that are 10 years or less and go from there. So that might be good enough. And the rest of it, well, uh, you know, the, uh, moving it into something like Ditta is, is relatively expensive. It's dollars per page usually. So, uh, so they'll take that, the pieces are more current and, and bring them up, while the rest of it can be left as just images and then done on a gradual basis as, as they go along. It, it really, uh, I mean, in other cases, uh, you know, it, it may make sense, like a, a, a client of ours is the Optical Society of America. They wanted to convert their, 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 for their 100th birthday, which was a couple of years ago, they wanted to convert the entire corpus of material going back to, to 1917. Uh, which you know, on, on one hand, you think why why would you need why would a physicist want material that's a hundred years old? On the other hand, it turns out uh, that they're right. It's a very it's this very valuable information there that wasn't at all available before. Uh, so they chose to turn everything into 
top quality XML with everything in it. Uh, and, and, the, and they went for that over a period, they, they had a three-year program, and, and, and they did over that period. In other cases, uh, uh, you know, there's a cost to perfection, sometimes you don't need perfection. You just want get to get 99% of the way there. So an example of that is the work we, we currently do for the, pat, for the U.S. Patent Office. So that's not a, a one-time conversion, that's continuing information because they get five million pages a month of, of technical material coming into their facility. Uh, and, and until a few years ago, everything was imaged and everything was scanned, but it was just images. There wasn't much you could do with it other than flip through them on a computer. So, uh, but uh, the cost of doing of converting all that into XML the traditional way would have just been prohibitive. Uh, so we came we came up with a completely automated approach to take documents coming in, and and uh, you know OCR and technical documents by itself would, without correction doesn't work very well usually. Uh, but we came up with a, a, a computer vision approach that would clean up a page before it ever got to the OCR engine. It took off all the math and the tables and all those things, took it off. And so the page electronically just had text and white space. And then it went through an OCR engine, which produced better than 99% accuracy uh, uh, right, right out without any correction. And then it got converted to XML with our automated tools, and then all the things we took out, the math that was left as images, was pulled back in and produced a document that was XML. It, uh, it completely automatically, but it was only, they, they ordered at 99.6 accuracy. So uh, their take on it was, we want all these pages, and getting 99.6% at 1 the cost is definitely worth it for us. It may not be worth it in a publishing organization, but it definitely was worth it for them because the documents were still going to be looked at by patent examiners at some point. So I think every organization needs to think about what the return on investment is, and there are places in between other than, it doesn't have to be everything, it doesn't have to be zero, someplace in between there that really, really is the right decision. Absolutely. And another place that we've seen clients kind of uh, evaluate that return on investment is when it comes to the idea of rewriting or restructuring some of their content before they convert. And we see this a lot in cases where, um, you know, a company has maybe written their user manual in a very book-like way that doesn't convert cleanly over to topics. Um, and, and similar cases like that where, um, you know, or maybe they've, they've kind of formatted their content such that it doesn't have any sort of implied structure or they've, you know, maybe been misusing their template in Word or FrameMaker or InDesign or whatever they've been using. So when it comes to doing an automated conversion process, they realize that the results are going to be pretty messy and that it's going to require a lot of cleanup, uh, you know, kind of on the output side. So I wanted to get your take on that as well and, and ask if you've seen any cases where it made more sense for a company to kind of do some cleanup and restructuring, maybe rewriting on their content before they tried to convert it. Uh, I mean, of course, there are cases where 
uh, it, it's, it's just such a mess that it's not worth uh, it's not worth uh, converting without doing some rewriting. Uh, but I think it's less than you might think. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think people, uh, are, especially when you have uh, large amounts of content, uh, I, I think there are tools around that lets you insert structure where uh, where where it wasn't there before. So, you know, while, while uh, you know it, 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 it's po it's possible, I mean, many of the cases that we've that I've seen over time. Uh, we could apply some technology to. So there might be some, uh, I think there's a triage that needs to, that needs to take place beforehand and to review the items and do, and do an inventory of what's there and maybe identify those, the 10% or 5% or 20% that really is not going to transfer over. But I, I think uh, it, it, very often you can get 70 or 80% of, of the material to be moved over automatically. And I think there's a lot of benefits, and you can do that. First of all, there is a cost savings uh, to the extent you can do that, but also a lot of times you don't have to recheck materials that have already been uh, approved and and and, uh, and and have been used for a while. Uh, you may not have to get it recertified. Uh, it, so, uh, and it doesn't need the the the. You know the professionals that are in the organizations don't have a lot of time for any of this. They can focus on just those pieces that need their attention, and the rest of it can be, can be done by others, both by automation and uh, by less trained people who can just do some of the things that that uh, that need to be done. So I think automation. There's a lot that automation can do that we underestimate a lot of times. It's it's worth doing, taking the effort up front to see what what would happen. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about another uh, you know, common situation that we've seen that can kind of pose some interesting challenges to conversion, and that is when a company goes through merger or acquisitions, and then they've suddenly got this collection of content that's coming from, you know, maybe two, three, five, ten different sources, and none of it's consistent with each other, but all of a sudden, all of it needs to be made consistent and, you know, rebranded and, you know, kind of following this one corporate structure. Uh, so I wanted to ask if you've dealt with any, uh, you know, cases like this and what sorts of challenges that you've faced in converting, you know, content after a merger or acquisition. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's actually, <laughs> there's more and more of that kind of activity going on. So that's, that's, uh, that's definitely good for business. Uh, but, uh, I think it's just a, a more exaggerated case of the usual trying to normalize information. Whereas when you go into one company, you're really dealing with uh, the uh, of materials that were done over a period of uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 years and trying to normalize it because people have done things over time. When you're dealing with multiple companies, they for sure have done things. Everybody, every company does things differently. And uh, frequently, one of the companies has better practices than the other. That might be why they did the acquisition, or maybe that's what they acquired. So, but I think it's 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 a very similar process of identifying where you want to go. What is the uh, what is the the goal? And I think that's part of the specification process that takes place up front. This is what we want it to look like when it's done and then mapping all that information over. And I think it's just another, I, I think computers are, are, 
are very helpful there's a lot of automation that can be applied a lot of today a lot of artificial intelligence uh, kinds of software can be applied and uh, and, and I, I, I think I think you know it's just an exaggerated case uh, uh, but I think it's more important in this case it's even more important to have a good planning process up front with someone who's familiar with the various data streams and the data formats and the tools that can be used because that, that can save years in the process. A lot of times you hear about companies that have merged and it takes them three years or five years to get their information together, uh, which is a disaster. Uh, so I, I, I think it behooves the, the organization to, to either look at that. And one of the issues I think, I mean, is the, the IT groups are usually in charge of, of trying to merge everything together. And uh, while they have a lot of experience with data streams, I don't think IT groups usually have a lot of experience with the document streams and how documents come together. So I think it's even more important to bring in pro uh, professionals who are familiar with those kind of materials in order to speed up the process. Definitely. So um, you mentioned that you're kind of seeing more and more of the, you know, kind of cases with mergers and acquisitions happening. So I wanted to ask if there are any other kind of common patterns like that that you're seeing with uh, types of conversions that you're doing. And if there are any, you know, unique challenges that you face with each of those and sort of how you deal with with those. It's So, you know, I think today... Uh, you know, traditionally we thought of these conversion as projects that go on, uh, you know, they, they have a start and an end, and they might be six months or a year or a few years. But today, actually most of my, our work is continuing kind of work. Like what I described about the, the patent office, that's day-by-day -day work that needs to be done on a very timely basis. And the time frames are really squeezed in. Uh, I, I mean, where traditionally you you know you you schedule a six month process today, it might things might need to be delivered in ten minutes or in an hour or in two hours. So the time frames I think are, are, are really squeezed down a lot of times, uh, and and uh, and you know there's there's no real time to to go back. You've really got to describe things up front and make sure you've got a machine that. Uh, that, that really takes care of everything. So I think the uh, more and uh, more and more, what's be what becomes important is having a process uh, up front to specify what needs to be done, define what's going to need to be done, uh, and, uh, and and that's really very detailed work. A lot of times people think of it as an ad hoc process. We have a very formalized specification process when we start something where. Everything gets laid out, all the details are laid out, we walk through a customer through all the steps and the decision points and record the decisions. So I think it becomes very important to do that up front because of just how the, the larger scale of what we're doing and uh, the, time, the time parameters are there. It's also, I think, a matter of prioritizing, which you spoke about already. Uh, but if, uh, if, if, if you're going to, uh, to, you know, you're bringing in new systems and and decide you know what's really needed what's the return on investment of various materials and inventory what's there so that you can uh, so that you make sure you're doing the most important things first a lot of times you, you hear things like well price is no object we want everything to be moved over that's that's never true price is always an object and cost is always an object so prioritization is is, is very important 
And I, I think another area that's become common in, is uh, this idea of all content reuse. As these the data streams become large, uh, especially uh, like when you're dealing with technical documentation, which uh, which is much of what we've talked about, um, uh, systems like DITA and S1000D are intended to reduce the amount of, uh, of duplicate content that you're handling. And I think that's true in many places. So uh, content reuse and normalizing information becomes very important. Uh, we spoke about if a company merges, well, two companies might have similar information, but they're slightly different or they're very different. So I one of the things we've done is we've built, a lot, we've built tools that let us examine uh, large collections of information. It's called Harmonizer, which will go through a, a collection of information and find all the similar paragraphs, not just that they're identical, but somebody's changed a few words, somebody's same pronunciation, so we can identify those so that so that we, we can now pull them out and say, well, this thing is repeated a hundred times, let's make that a module and just refer to it a hundred times. So I think a lot of those kind of things are, are common just because you're dealing with more information. In, uh, in, uh, it's all gotten bigger and faster. It really has, and we've noticed kind of some similar trends and patterns as well with the clients that we've worked with. And, and I think, you know, I, I definitely agree reuse continues to be a really large factor, especially with companies that are localizing content into other languages, because, you know, if they can't reuse their content, then that translation cost is occurring many, many more times than it needs to. Um, so I, I agree. I, I think it's um, you know, really important to, as you said, to plan and to look at, you know, your your reuse needs and your reuse potential and and see how that can factor into your conversion process and and in that way really make the most of what you do when you convert. Uh, I, I just uh, just one more point I think that's that's important to uh, just in terms of the patterns. Sure. Um, I think this uh, and, and and, and an area where we've had a lot of focus and we spoke about a few times is just the focus on computer intelligence and artificial intelligence. And, uh, and I think that's been a, a major differentiator for DCL. I mean, way before it was a buzzword. Uh, like in, in 1982 already, we built a conversion tool called MindReader, which would take uh, ASCII-based files, just plain text files that were coming out of a ancient word processor called the, the Videc to convert it to what was then a very modern word processor that had all the tags. And it was automatically inferring all the, all the ideas and, and, the, uh, and the architecture and putting in tags automatically. And I, I think, uh, you know, that's been a focus in the beginning. It's become more and more focused over the last few years because, uh, uh, first of all, the data streams have become so much larger. Uh, and and also this you know labor costs are rising internationally so and that's going to continue to happen and so uh, you know I, I think that focus on intelligence and using computers to do this is become more and more important as we go along and having people really understand that is a, is a really important part of all this. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure to be here, and thank you for, for this session, and uh, these are really good questions, and uh, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. 
For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.